Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you from the God who plants, the God who nurtures, the God who walks alongside. This parable of the sower is a story familiar to all who have darkened the door of a Sunday school, and perhaps even to many who have not. The New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd wrote that a parable leaves the mind in sufficient doubt about its precise application to tease it into active thought. Parables have more in common with questions than with answers, and if that is true, then there is room for a variety of interpretations of this story that we heard this morning. So let's see what I do with it, because it's probably different than what I would have done with it yesterday. The sower goes to plant. The sower who stewards the fields these days have tools that are un- were unimagined in Jesus' parable. Today, farmers have tractors with GPS devices that can sow a seed within a millimeter of where they want it to go. Not, not so in our parable. Those farmers took their baskets of seed and threw them out across the untilled ground and only then came back to cover them with soil. Seeds flying in all directions from the farmer's hand, assisted by the wind in their wild journey. Some of them landed on stony ground, others on hardened paths, still others fell among the weeds, and only a few of the seeds on the ground that received them and produced an abundant harvest. Seeds are dangerous. (laughs) Now, you may not have thought about that, but they are. In arguably the worst movie ever made, made not too far from here, actually, you see a tomato rising (laughs) rising from a woman's garbage disposal. The fruit chases her across the room, and when the police arrived to see her blood stained corpse, they discover it's not blood, it's tomato juice. And so the attack of the killer tomatoes begins (laughs) as tomatoes threaten to destroy the world. Seeds are dangerous. And not just in bad movies. When I was in grade school, my grandfather planted a seed. We were fishing uh, for walleye on Red Lake in northern Minnesota. Now, you need to know that my grandfather was really not too much of a conversationalist. When we went out fishing, uh, the conversation would go something like this. Need a worm? Or want a cup of coffee? And that was about it. On this particular day, I can't imagine that he said more than 100 words all day long. Among those he did say was, was this one lone pronouncement over our sandwich at lunch. He said... He looked at me and he said, you should be a pastor. (laughs) That was it. Nothing else, no explanation, never again said anything like that to me as long as I knew him. Seed planted, did it fall on hard soil or rocky ground or among thorns? I, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I do know this. I spent decades trying to run away from his suggestion. And here I am now, 45 years later, a pastor. Seeds are dangerous. 
It's not a far stretch of interpretation to say that universities are a living out of the parable of the sower. A farmer plants the seed in the spring of the year not having any idea what will happen by the time of harvest. Our professors take seeds, dangerous seeds, and plant them in the soil of student imagination. They know not what fruit might become of it, but they plant away and they plant again and again in anticipation of good things to come of it. Most interpreters of this parable of the sower recognize that the planted seeds represent the good news or truth uh, uh, and that that truth will attain one of four outcomes. And those outcomes are as true today as as they were then. Some of the seed will grow on rocky soil. Some will fall among seeds. Some will grow on hard paths. Some will end up in fertile soil where the yield is best. If the sower is the teacher and the seed the truth, then the soil is the student. And any of our professors can look back at the students they've had over the years and tell you which is which. Which has given me pause to think about what my college professors might have said. And so I hauled out my college yearbook from a couple of years ago. (laughs) And I opened it up, and of course all the pictures are of professors according to what department they were in. Chemistry, physics, math, I didn't make it to that farm. Um, Biology, same thing. Oh, sociology. I had Joel Torstenson for sociology. Joel was a well, he was a socialist. In fact, he and his brother were part of the founding of the DFL in, uh, in this country. Well, some of these, I never got to these departments. English, Dave Wood. Dave Wood was uh, a man who taught me how to tell a story. And he, al- he also borrowed cigarettes all the time. <laughs> Phil Kwanbeck, he was a religion professor. Uh, a number of famous Kwanbecks. Uh, I was kind of a late bloomer on that one, but that came around. And then there was Professor Gisselquist I had for uh, world history. Apologies to President Kimball. That was rocky soil. And then there was theater arts, which was my major, and a number of good professors. Regardless of my academic achievements, I can look back at each of these and see seeds that were planted, dangerous seeds that changed my life, And integral to that for me is that these seeds were planted from ground that was nurtured by the conversation between faith and reason. And they were informed, I think, by the lessons of this parable that we shared today. Jesus invites us to be open to hear the truth. He invites us to be willing to receive it, to make it our own, and then to live out that truth in the world in which we live. How familiar. This last year, our chapel has focused on a document called the Compass Statement, a statement prepared by the Office of University Ministries that seeks to engage the community here at CLU in conversation about how we live out this interplay between faith and reason, an interplay that is central to being a faith-based university. Hear the lessons of the parable as they echo throughout our identity and mission statement. California Lutheran University is a diverse scholarly community dedicated to existence, excellence in the liberal arts and professional studies rooted in the Lutheran tradition of Christian faith 
encouraging critical inquiry into matters of both faith and reason. It's throughout who we are. A God who plants, who nurtures, who walks alongside us, who invites us to listen and hear and to live out truth and justice in our lives. Just as agricultural technique has changed since this parable was first used, so has our understanding of the creation and our relationship with the Creator as well, an openness to hearing and learning and struggling with the truth and then appropriating it for the good of the world in which we live. That's the same. When Martin Luther wrote about this parable, he turned his reader's attention to the confident words of the prophet Isaiah, my word shall not return unto me void or empty, but full. Jesus reminds the disciples who first heard this parable how privileged they were to hear. And so are we. We are privileged, you and I, to be in a place where the journey of discovery, discernment, and learning is so honored. We have God-blessed eyes to see and God-blessed ears to hear. But seeds are dangerous. They may be planted when we're not ready for them. The soil may be hard and the weeds may be thick. We may struggle to grow in it all, throughout it all. God asks for a willing and a receptive heart. Through it all, we have God's promise that we're not going to be left alone. We're not going to be abandoned. God will walk with us. May we be open to the dangerous seeds that lead us, that move us, that change us. God's word always leads us to an abundant harvest. Amen.